You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. We have been going on a sermon series through Luke, and today we find ourselves in Luke 5, which I felt was a bit timely with some of the things I felt the Spirit possibly impressing on my heart. Um, So let me read it to you. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, so Jesus gets in a boat to go teach people. Have you ever heard someone mysteriously over water before? Like, they're miles away and you hear every word they're talking to their friend. Anybody? 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 Never to... Joel, I remember you talking about me out... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you've ever been on a boat on still water the audio just travels. So in a time where you don't have microphones, you go by lakes and you use the microphone of the lake like Jesus is doing here for the crowd. So they push out and Jesus teaches from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they, closed, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Sometimes in ministry, you are out fishing all night for 11 years straight, and you feel like you're catching very little. Now, into pastorship, pastorhood, priesthood, pastor, what's the pastor term of priesthood? Shepherdship. Pastordom. Pastordom, thank you. In the realm of pastordom, which is not a nickname to give to pastors, pastors, dumb. <laughs> But uh, the realm in which we work, we have to fill out reports, you know, like uh, letting, letting uh, the people within our denomination know how things are going. So financial reports, how close are we to meeting budget? Salvation reports, are we seeing people saved? Baptism reports, are they being baptized? Attendance reports, ministry reports, discipleship groups, uh, worship report, like the list just goes on and on. And here at 1208, one thing I'm really good at filling out within those forums is Tell us a story of something happening at 1208. Oh, yeah, I can do that one. This person's life was changed in this way. But when it comes to salvations, there have been years where I've written zero. When it comes to baptisms, there have been years where I've written zero. When it comes to membership, 
We were supposed to hit 40 members within three years to maintain being a church. It's been 11 years, and we still haven't hit 40 members. We're working on it. As a pitch, if you'd like to be a member here at 1208, please contact me after the service. Until we started dinner church, and then it started rolling in. In fact, I felt impressed on my heart this morning when I was in here. Just as Jamin brings some more tables out. You're going to need them today. And then I didn't. So sorry to the Cunninghams <laughs> who are trying to find space around a table because the rest are in the warehouse. We've got to pull those out. Um, but during dinner church, we started to see it. It was like, hey, they're coming in. They're coming in. We're starting to see them pour in. We're, we're starting to have the space to lead people to salvation or to start some baptisms or to disciple new people. And then COVID, right? And we went from just hitting triple digits to the very next, to that weekend having our first reveal conference. Everyone's infused with energy. To the next day, we had 14 people. And then two years of dryness, and it feels like setting the net out over and over and over again. But God's spoken into us in recent times. 1208, there are cherry blossoms for you, a sign of renewal. You are not done yet. And so we get excited to launch this new thing that we start in September, right? This is it. This is the one. God's really going to press into this. But maybe it'll happen slowly. Let's, let's hope. And it happens slowly. And reveal, reveal part two. This one, this is going to be the one. People are going to come visit from all around. And I remember a prophetic word someone felt impressed on their heart as we were praying as leadership the night before reveal. They felt like God was saying, this is kind of like a water geyser and it's going to be ripples in everyone's churches who attends. It's like, oh, so they have to go back to their churches after, which is great. I'm not trying to steal people from other churches, but they steal from us. So, you know, like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But maybe that's the moment. No, no, ripples. 1208, you have a purpose in setting out the ripples in other places. And that's something that God has done through 1208 a lot. I don't love when people leave, but I love that when people leave on good terms, they almost always tell me we're not going to be able to find a church like 1208. And we're afraid that wherever we go, we're not going to be able to plug into a place that has the same kind of concerns that we have here. I'm like, good, ruining people's lives for Jesus, one person at a time. That's what we aim for here at 1208. But that's the ripple effect. Good, we're sending you somewhere. I hope you're uncomfortable there. And anything that we call the 1208 blessing that needs to inspire you to ruffle some feathers where you go, may you be the holy rustlers of feathers. We're good at that kind of stuff. When it comes to reaching people, not so much. We labor and we labor and labor, and it feels like casting the nets out all night long and trying to pull in, pull in the catch, and nothing's there. And we try again, we try something new, and try something creative, and we try something with what lack of money we have, investing it into things that we hope will pan out and reaching people, and time and time again, we, we feel like we're pulling the nets back in and there's no fish. But when Jesus comes up to these fishermen, something happens. See, there's this prophetic symbol going on in this story. Because this is Peter. And Peter is the rock upon which Jesus is going to build his church. And as Jesus comes to lean in to Peter for the first time, he does a prophetic symbol of where Peter's headed 
First off, he says, Peter, put out the net. And you can imagine Peter kind of feeling a little like, okay, the Messiah guy, the carpenter guy is going to tell a fisherman how to fish now. I see how it is. Jesus, we've been doing this all day. But instead, he's like, hey, this guy is, you know, it seems to know what he's talking about. I don't know, just throw it in. And when they pull the net out, there is so much fish that they filled two boats that the nets start to break and that the boats start to sink. The nets start to break and the boat starts to sink. That was nothing that was in Peter's hands. That was in Jesus' hands. And Jesus shows Peter that when he follows him, then he'll get the catch he's looking for. Because it's not about the fish. Like Peter doesn't even make any profit off the fish as far as we know, because as soon as they get back to land, Peter's like, all right, I'm following you now. I'm going to leave this two boats worth of fish out here to rot. Take that fish. That's what you get for not getting in the boat sooner. It's probably not what Peter did. Peter catches all these fish, and he's like, I'm out of the fishing business. I'm going to follow this guy. And he follows. And it's a prophetic symbol because Jesus tells Peter, like, this is no, this, if you think this is about fish, it's not about fish. This is about your ministry, Peter. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to tell you when to cast the nets. I'm going to tell you when it's time. And when you pull the nets back in, you are going to have what I have loaded in them for you. Your name is Peter Petros, rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the church often does a lot of building on its own terms. We've tried anything and everything we can think of which is not bad. We need to be creative with the gospel. But sometimes we find ourselves walking into cheap tricks, psychological tricks, to try to force people into the kingdom of heaven. Have you met Christians forced into the kingdom of heaven before? It doesn't always work out great because they don't leave behind their old lives. We have made the gospel as simple as we can to force people into heaven. Here's the deal, everybody. You just got to think differently. It's your brain that goes to heaven, not the rest of you. So if you could just conform your brain to think a certain way, then you're saved. When people just think Jesus is real and therefore I am saved, their entire life does not end up looking like Jesus. When they recognize that being saved is an issue of faith and faithfulness is a part of faith, then you start to realize, I need to conform my entire life to this Jesus guy. It can't just be about me thinking he's real. It's got to be, I got to think like him. So earlier, when we lit the peace candle, it's not just, eh, I want to have the Jesus who's the prince of peace, but I don't really want to do peace in his pacifistic way. Like That's not the conversation on the table. The conversation is, is Jamin possibly right about this pacifistic-sounding Jesus? And if that is the case about Jesus, am I willing to conform myself to pacifistic Jesus? If I could be convinced that that's true? Or are we just like, nah, I don't want that part of Jesus. He can keep that. Everything is all about Jesus. So when we start to put our faith in him 
and we make him the staple upon which the entire church rests, it's no longer about cheap psychological tricks. It's no longer about Christians who don't really want to follow Jesus. They just wanted the health and wealth gospel to get into heaven by conforming their brain in such a way that somehow that would do the trick. No, you conform all of you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what Peter's willing to do in this moment. Peter gets off that boat and he's like, how about fish? Following this guy. Where are we going? What's next? That's a pretty incredible faith. That's not just Peter thinking a certain way. That's Peter living a certain way. And I think here at 1208, something that's kind of been brought up in some uh, feelings people have given me and I think some inner stirrings in my own heart. Um, it feels like the Spirit in some regards is saying 1208 is, is a bit of a strong drink for some people, so I need to send some specific people to you as core members. And so uh, on one hand, I'm waiting for Jesus to fill the net to pull it out, trusting because he's given us so many words about where we're headed, trusting that he is not going to let that word down. But at the same time, here's the thing that 1208 needs to be doing while we're waiting for Jesus to fill the net is we have to be casting the net. Jesus did not cast the net himself, nor did he supernaturally put a net in the water. Peter, cast the net. I know, it sounds crazy, I know. It seems like an issue of stupidity. You're a fisherman, you've been out here all day fishing. It's not like there's just going to be a school of fish the moment that net goes in the water, except there is. Peter cast the net. They cast the net. Jesus fills the net. They pull the net back up. So on one side, there is an issue of faith. God, would you send us our community? We've been praying into them. Would you send people here to strengthen the core of 1208? We've been praying into them. But at the same time, Jesus, how can we cast the net? What does casting the net as a church look like? What kind of event is casting the net? What, what kind of outreach is casting the net? What is it that, that we need to do in our own personal lives, that we need to do as a corporate body to cast the net? And what, what kind of lure do you use? I realize with a net there's no lure, but the lures that church often use can be the cheap trick part of it. What do we need to cast to catch the people of Jackson? To reach our communities as we sit between the diversity of socioeconomics, between the homeless shelter, the poor, the mansions, and the middle class, where Jackson changes as soon as you cross streets. What do we do to cast all kinds of different kinds of nets? Are you praying into that? Are you hoping for it? Because Jesus is all about reaching people. Jesus is all about evangelism. Well, I don't like filling out reports and they make me feel bad, they also convict me. Oh, how many times have I put zero? How many times have I put one or two? There's got to be more. And Jesus has people that he's trying to reach. And he's intentional. You don't get into heaven by accident. Nor do you get to heaven on roller skates. As the song says, if you don't know the song, that sounded weird. You don't trick people into heaven. You don't sneak over the gate. You walk in the front door and you 
Bring up your passport, sign in the blood of Jesus, and show it to the angel. Ah, yes, you're in. When Jesus spoke in parables, he did it because there were some people who were going to have the Holy Spirit reveal to him what he meant in the parable, and some people who just weren't ready for it. And Jesus wasn't trying to reach the people who weren't ready for it. Jesus was trying to reach the people who were ready for it. So how do you help the Holy Spirit make people ready for it? How do you get the net in the right place to pull in? Where you live, where you work, where you play, as is the often expression. What we do matters. We can't just wait uh, and expect Jesus to do it all for us. This is why we've built the model that we built, that we creatively tried to work alongside the Spirit to find something to emphasize the words that he was speaking over us. This is something that you see in the Bible. Jeremiah was a big place where prophecy kind of pivoted and a crucial understanding of prophecy. Jesus taught Jeremiah something by taking him to look at a potter. And as Jeremiah watched the potter, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, look, this potter's made a pot. This potter has, in a way, designed a prophecy, something that is his. Now, if that potter decides to smash the pot or smash the prophecy, he could do that. Likewise, if he decides to keep it and put it up on the shelf, he can do that too. And the reason God was teaching Jeremiah this is because he wanted him to understand that prophecy has flexibility to it. Jeremiah was going to get a lot of negative words to speak over people. If you've ever read the prophets in the Bible, that whole middle section, it's doom and gloom a lot of times. And when you read through that, you realize that God's not just prophesying doom and gloom just to make people sad. He's actually trying to convict them to change. And that's what he's telling Jeremiah. I have built this prophecy that people need to repent. If they repent, then I'll smash the doom and gloom. It doesn't have to happen anymore. Okay, well, does God ever do that? Yeah, Jonah. Look, here's the pot over Nineveh. They are all going to be burned up if they don't repent. Go tell them, Jonah. Jonah goes. They repent. Psh, no longer needs that prophecy. And unfortunately for Jonah, he now looks like a false prophet because he said something was going to happen and it never happened. You know how, like, when you're trying to bring people out of homelessness, the idea is you're trying to work yourself out of a job, that there would be no more homeless people in Jackson. We did it, and now I'm fired. You know, like, that's ultimately where it goes. It's the same with the prophet. I need to warn you guys so that, that the, the doom and gloom doesn't come. We did it. It didn't come. Wait a minute. Are you even a real prophet? No, no, no. You, you guys changed the course. No, you said it was going to come. It never came. <laughs> Maybe we can go back to our sin because nothing ever happened. No, that's not what I, you know, like. It's a hard place to be the prophet. You're trying to work yourself out of the things that you prophesy sometimes. What you see within Jeremiah is that prophecy is flexible. And there is within the multiverse a way in which we don't lean into the cherry blossoms, in which we don't cast the net, in which we don't reap the harvest that Jesus has called us to if we don't lean in and try. And so we need to pray consistently, pressing in, God, what is next? What do we do? What are you calling us to? How do we reach people? What does the net look like? Will you bring us to the place well, the net is so full of fish, a 1208 is sinking. <laughs> this isn't a great illustration because one of our walls literally sank into the ground. So let me try something else. Okay. 
1208 is literally bursting at the seams, which isn't great because that front door needs to be fixed and they wouldn't be able to get out. Whatever the case is, use whatever analogy you want. That's what we're praying into. That's what we're hoping for. God has a plan for Jackson, and we want heaven to come to Jackson. And when heaven really, really moves across an area, we call that revival, as people start getting saved and start coming to Christ. And heaven begins to be populated, and Jackson begins to lose its kingdom of the world membership replaced with kingdom of heaven membership. That's the hope, and that's happened all throughout the world many times. Azusa Street, an entire community changed as the presence of God just falls on it, and people start getting saved and start experiencing the Holy Spirit. The Methodist movement, of which we're a part of, that all happened because the Holy Spirit poured out and people started getting saved, and the nets that John Wesley cast were different than the traditional nets. At that time, it was basically thought of to be heresy for you to go outside of a church building and preach the gospel, which kind of misses the entire gospels. But that's the way that they thought of it. And John Wesley was like, all right, I know we're not into this. I am not intentionally trying to leave the church of which I am a part of, but we got to reach the people out there. So I'm going to go preach in the fields. Heresy! <laughs> And eventually John Wesley kind of gets kicked out of his own community, but sees the masses saved. And it's not just by his own power. A lot of times we think that Methodism still exists today because Methodists were just really smart about Scripture and people really flocked because they wanted to hear the Bible. In what world is that true? <laughs> you know what us pastors often complain about? It's that our job is to preach the Bible and nobody ever wants to hear about it. It'd be easier to just preach fluff messages that promote all of your health and wealth and all that. John Wesley isn't growing the church by the masses because he's preaching the Bible out in the field. He's growing by the masses because the Spirit shows up, casts the net, and pulls them in. Because everywhere they go, the Spirit would show up. People would fall to the ground. Demons would be cast out. People would be healed. People would have visions. People heard about all the weird stuff happening at these field preaching revivals, and they would go to watch, and they'd see all the weird stuff happen, and they'd be skeptical. Ah, oh, this isn't really the Holy Spirit. And then they would fall on the ground and be like, I guess it is the Holy Spirit. What's happening? You know, like, that is the net that John Wesley cap continually casted. And the net may be looking different today. Some people still cast that same kind of net, and they see the harvest. So Jesus, as we get ready to close out with a song on faith, we ask you how we can cast the net here in our community. We can lean into uh, the prophetic feeling that you're going to bring more people into our core, but how do we cast the net? How do we reach them? We can lean into the uh, feeling that we right now, as some have felt, that we are in a, uh, a spiritual warfare going on around us here at 1208, and that we still haven't fully broken out of that war yet. God, teach us how to do that, that we might liberate ourselves to see the fullness of freedom for this community. We know that some of the ways in which you've told us to overcome spiritual warfare here at 1208 is to repent. 
Let us repent. Whatever more we have to do to repent so that we might be filled with more gifts, which was the rest of your word, let us repent. God, we want more gifts. Not for the sake of power, not for the sake of, of fame or for ourselves, but because we know that that's one of the ways in which we cast the net. Because that's the way, Jesus, that you casted the net. Through the Spirit, healing people, bringing them to faith. Delivering people from demons, bringing them to faith. Doing signs and wonders and miracles and bringing them to faith. Well, you didn't stake everything on all of the supernatural. That certainly was a part of the way in which you worked with the Spirit. So God, we come today celebrating the Prince of Peace. We come today celebrating you as the one we are to follow. And we come today recognizing that we need to step out in faith to be um, shrewd as serpents but innocent as doves. Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus, teach us how to live into those words that you've said. So as we take communion and we sing about faith and we celebrate you as, as peace, Jesus, may we, as we partake in communion, be uh, humbling ourselves to take on more of your form even now, that the re resurrection might grow in us in this time and space. In Jesus' name, amen.